and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Welcome back, everyone. Bree and I are joined by like the best guest ever, the one and only Emily Leclerc, who gave us the infamous Isadora. Thank you. We can't thank you enough. Like words don't express how <laughs> happy we are that you're here with us. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> well, so thank excited. you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's my yes. pleasure. <laughs> okay. So it took four whole episodes for us to finally get introduced to Isadora in season one. And since then, she's become an important character in Motherland. How much did you know about her character arc when you were first cast? I actually got a little bit emotional knowing that, uh, you know, this the, the finale is coming up. So I actually went back in my emails and checked. And uh, my, my audition for Isadora was on May 17th, 2019. And wow. the character description goes as follow. Um, a tall woman with a warm maternal force. She's an immensely powerful witch, a necro teacher who's been summoned to restore life to a dead youth so that she can bear witness about the matter of his death. So the casting was like, she needs to be warm, but commanding maternal, despite how morbid her job is. So she's conjuring the dead is like normal for her, but you know that it's going to be really intense for, you know, the young necro students to, to be there with you at that moment. So yeah, that was the character description. That's really and, cool. Thank you for, for reading oh that and God, sharing yes. it. Yes. <laughs> you know yeah, so I mean, that's all we knew at that moment. Um, it, it was an estimate of three episodes at the beginning in season one when I got cast. And then I think I think it was maybe a right fit for the creators. And, and maybe they were looking for that kind of energy to continue being part of the ensemble. So it just... You know, she continued reappearing and every season I think she started uh, expanding more and more. So what a gift. What a gift. Yeah. It was a gift to us, too. Yeah, no, seriously, it really was. Like she starts <laughs> like becoming so integral to everything. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it's it's been so nice for 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 an actor also to play because, you know, there's this whole section of being a scientist and life and death cycle. But also she did some pretty intense, you know, scenes like in season two, the gas chamber scene mm -hmm. where she's tricking Abigail and Rael. And then like the whole the whole interaction with the mycelium and then and then this this latest episode that that was released on Tuesday where she actually like goes in like full combat mode. So yeah, I feel like we've seen so many different colors of her, like so many different sides. So, so that has been like quite a gift to have. Yeah. And to play. <laughs> Can I ask what was the combat scene? Like it looked so intense and it was gorgeous. Like, what was that like? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I was just, I posted about this today. I actually, I'm somebody that like, I like moving and training and a lot of my, some of the um, theater creations that I have done in the past involve a lot of movement. Um, so I was kind of like crossing my fingers for um, the opportunity to be in a fight sequence. And I, I happened to say that to one of the producers, like while on set in season two, and then I immediately regretted it because I was like, I don't want them to think that I'm not grateful for what they're giving me. Like already I have so much and I'm so grateful, but I just like, it just happened. And I just mentioned it. And then, and then like, what a gift this season to, you know, be invited to do this fight and was intense because I went to set I think on a Tuesday or Monday afternoon I worked with professional like stunt people and stunt artists and choreographers for about two and a half hours 
uh, in the afternoon. And then I was on set the morning after at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. So I, I had no, not a lot of time to actually work on my Whoa. segments. Yeah. Um, but I think luckily I had done a lot of movement and, you know, in, in, on stage and theater. And then it was kind of the, the set became kind of a stage in a sense because it was like so big and, and so much distance to, um, you know, to use. So yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So the, the stunt coordinator Reese, uh, they, they taught me four little segments of the fight. Uh, they were each maybe eight to 16 beats, you know, and then, and then, and then the rest. So when, when the camera is from further away, it's a, an actual body, do body double, um, a woman who's an actual like athlete and, and she's like a martial artist, like professionally. Um, so she's the one handling all the, the, like the big hand on hand sequence. And I'm, I'm when, whenever the, the frame is closer then that's me. Yeah. Yeah, but it was wonderful to do. I had so much fun. I was so nervous, so nervous, but you know, I was surrounded by a dream team. So it was just like a beautiful day. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. And now that the episode has been released, I can, you, you know that at the end, Isadora is in a pool of blood. And so that I wasn't expecting to, I wasn't expecting that moment to hit me so much because I was so excited just to, to fight. And then, you know, it's like late in the day and all of a sudden I'm like in a pool of blood and I can't move because we're turning cameras around. So I'm laying there for at least a half hour with like, and like, I'm, I, it was very, very intense. I'm very lucky. A couple of people um, came and held my hand and made sure I, I felt safe but I was extremely vulnerable to, to be in a position of such vulnerability, like lying in a pool of blood, you know? And yeah, um, yeah it took my nervous system a couple of days just to come back to being quote unquote normal after that. I bet. It was, it was so demanding, but sure. at the same time, like so beautiful. And yeah, anyways, it was it was great. It was such a good day. And like, I was just trying to make sure I would do a good job. I never, I, I forgot to take a photo with like the stunt people because I was just so nervous and just trying to, to, to do it. And, but uh, I'll never forget that day. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. Very intense. Very wonderful. <laughs> that one tear that goes down your face oh like God. when you're laying in the pool of blood i it man whew. we were not okay no. No. <laughs> well this is not okay either because she knows that first is going to the mother right yeah. and and the mycelium is is means so much to her like and so much to the world and to fort salem so um yeah, it's a very vulnerable moment. And I think in that moment, Isadora is angry because she has not, she's angry and sad and like her, her physical body cannot anymore fight. But like, you know, she, she's, she's disappointed that she was not able to, to um, get the better of, of hers in that moment for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for explaining that. Um, well, yeah, we'll, move to, we'll move on to something a little bit happier maybe so oh, sure <laughs> we have a segment we've mentioned we've talked off screen that we love Isadora and we have a whole segment on our podcast where we just talk about her like every episode and we <laughs> talk about like what does she, what she's doing off screen because she, she should be on the screen more so we're curious yeah. so now that you're here maybe you can answer the question what what does Isadora does Isadora have hobbies like what does she do yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right now I'm like looking at a photo of a, a, the bark of a tree that I took and I'm like, well, that's totally Isadora to go in the wilderness <laughs> and like take, I don't know. Well, I took this photo of a tree trunk when I was in, in um, I changed the, the color palette, but like I was in Australia and I was like looking at the bark and I was like, this is so beautiful. And then I it became a, a thing, right? Mm. So I think Isadora is also a lover of the forest and the natural world, and it inspires her creativity. I think Isadora is more of a watercolor kind of person because of how meticulous that art form is. 
Um, yeah. And then she's kind of, um, uh, I think she's very, uh, happy. Well, not happy, but I think she's a bit more of an introvert. So I think she can have friendships and like, but I think she does best in like one-on-one -on -one or small groups of friends. So I'm imagining maybe like playing chess uh with somebody while like sipping on bourbon i think could yes. be did you did you guess it <laughs> yes because there's scenes where she's like hanging out with petra just drinking whiskey and like there's yeah. chess boards in there yeah, yeah so i, I think that's, that's her but i yeah. i totally think that uh isadora as a child was definitely that child who would come back with like pockets full of rocks and like wildflowers and stuff like that. And then, so I think, yeah, that grew into, into her becoming a scientist and interested in the natural world. And we were so lucky on set because like Isadora's office was filled with jars with like dried up mushrooms mm -hmm. and like dried up herbs and like, little pieces of skull and stuff like that so yeah that's isadora definitely we have like a whole head cannon where isadora has these assistants and her lab assistants and it's like their job to like catalog all of her like <laughs> things that she collects <laughs> discoveries and the things she collects and Got they're it. just so we love, we love, like, it kind of works with our headcanon about Isadora's assistants. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure she did that work as a young apprentice before stepping into that, that role of being like, you know, the head teacher of the necro department. Um, but um, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Do you think she has favorite students? Well, yeah. I think she's careful about who she, um, you know, who she, who gets really close to her. I think, like, I think she's a really great teacher in the fact that she recognizes everybody's value and doesn't want to uh, have like, you know, obvious favorites. But yeah, I think in, in season three, I mean, she's not really a student, but you know, there's a, a kindness and a, you know, and a and a something happening with Penelope as she's becoming almost, I don't want to say, you know, I think, I think, I think Isadora is really maternal. And then she takes on Penelope as yes, a scientific project, but a little bit more than that as well, you know, on a personal level. So um, yeah. And I think in previous seasons, in season two, it was probably Rael for, you know, the fact that she was not you know, she was not a regular, one of my regular necro teach, uh, necro students. She was a little bit outside of the box and I had to try to, you know, um, I don't want to say contain her because I never <laughs> was able to, but yeah. So I always wondered if she had any kind of relationship with Scylla and then when she was like, came into the interrogation thing, was like disappointed that one of her students good students was like now a spree agent yeah maybe maybe yeah i think uh yeah i i would be curious to to have more to to have seen more scenes between Isadora and scylla and yeah. uh what what that necro world is is like um yeah so yeah perhaps perhaps we can all imagine that if we want <laughs> All right. So if you had to guess, what would you say Isadora's IQ is? Okay. So, um, I'm not super familiar with like what the numbers and, and, but I think she's like on an Albert Einstein's level probably Heck yeah, or yes. more like as somebody who is very, very scientifically smart, but, um, yeah, I feel like she's also good at math and stuff like that. So probably, you know, Albert Albert Einstein's level plus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I couldn't agree more. And in the show, I think because of that, she's constantly given these like Herculean tasks. Like there's always like this impossible thing and they're like, well, Isadora will do it. And so I'm just curious. And she does it. 
And so I'm just curious, is there anything Isadora can't do or she struggles with? Because we never see her struggling on the show. Yeah, I don't think not anything that has to do with science or solving issue, uh, issues. But I think what Isadora maybe is not great at is like, I don't think she has, um, I don't think she has a relaxed charisma about her. So when she's not in her environment or with people that she knows, I don't think she's a good like entertainer. I don't think she's got what like Kara Brandt has of being able to be so like, you know, she's just so relaxed, charismatic, seductive, witty. Like, I don't think Isadora is a bit more, she's a bit more um, introverted, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, or even thinking about what Raelle did in the last episode, like, like, you know, this beautiful song playing guitar by the by the fire. I don't think that's something that Isadora could do, even although I'm imagining her playing a fugue on the cello. You know what I mean? Like, so, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that like a bar fuse on a fugue on the cello. So that's that's what I'm imagining. But I don't think she's she's great at being cool <laughs> she's plenty cool like she's <clears throat> she doesn't move easily in groups of people in a, yeah, like a social yeah. aspect yeah and like mm -hmm. yeah and i think that makes sense a lot of a lot of the big group scenes like the graduation in, in season one she wasn't there uh the big wedding this season she wasn't there i mean she was busy doing something else but like uh yeah so i think she's just uh happy in her lab yeah. <laughs> we, we was like did she even get invited to the weddings because neither of the weddings she neither. wasn't at either of the weddings we're like where is isadora <laughs> yeah i know yeah i i thought about that too and then i'm like you know i think isadora is the kind of person who's like work work fills her so much it makes her so happy that you know, the idea, like, I think she likes people, obviously, but like, I don't think, I think she's just as happy, um, you know, and also she's, she, she has a good sense of duty. So somebody has to stay at Fort Salem. Somebody has to look after Penelope. Uh, now, is that an excuse because she's like uh, a little bit shy and, 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 um, you know, has social anxiety? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> maybe there's a bit of that, but I really think she's like duty first, you know, like Penelope first, keeping her safe. And I think Isadora is probably the only pe person who can get through to Penelope at this point. So I wouldn't want Penelope uh, to not feel safe if I go away to a wedding, you know? So if Isadora, sorry, I said I, but I'm an Isadora. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> so. Isadora seems to have a fascination or a reverence for the mycelium. Um, how would she describe her relationship with the mother? I think the relationship to the mother is similar to anybody's personal uh, spirituality or relationship to whatever God they, they pray to or the, you know, uh, the light, the creator, or this sense of otherness that maybe there may be a, a power greater than, than uh, out, out there, you know? So I think that's what it is. It's something that you don't really understand, but that she believes in. And she also has a physical entity in front of her there. So I think that's what it is. It's just kind of a relationship to somebody's, like, like somebody's spirituality. I think. Makes sense. Absolutely. So you mentioned, I mean, one of the big things in season three that was very different with her storyline is the Penelope storyline, where she's kind of like stepping into this more like one-on-one -on -one caretaking role. And so what was that like for Isadora to like do that? I think it was very comfortable. I think Isadora is craving to feel useful on a human level. Uh, she's, I don't think she has a partner or children of her own. So like, I think uh, 
yeah, I think it was really comfortable to her, for her to be like, this is going to become my new project and like, she's going to, you know, <laughs> work on it day and night if she has to. Um, yeah, so, and I think it's kind of a, in season two, we see that she has that relationship with the mycelium, um, which, you know, I think she gets bruised a little bit with the fact that the mycelium chooses Rael over her. Um, and then she, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, what's the next, what's the next project or entity that needs my, my care, you know? Um, and, and also she's fascinated by what's happening to, so it's not just about like, she needs, um, um, you know, she needs somebody to, to love. Like, I think it's also the fascination of the scientific fascination of how we were able to bring Penelope back and now trying to bring her back to being fully human. So yeah, so that's, there's, there's that as well. It's like fascinating. It's fascinating on a scientific level, probably more so than on a, you, you know, she needs me. I think it's like, it's like, wow, let's, let's, let's bring her back to being human. Yeah. It's not every day you reconstitute a whole human being from raindrops the atmosphere <laughs> <laughs> from weather. Yeah. and i love that it showcases like her curiosity like you're saying from like a scientific perspective but also like her just patience like a lot of those scenes are just like her being super patient like with penelope who's like struggling with this whole thing it's just they're wonderful yeah scenes. and also I'm, I'm i'm recognizing that being a scientist is that is like patience you know because like sometimes you are your years to like be testing one thing and then it can take years before you actually see results or it can take year, years before you can make conclusions on your experiment which could last for years so i think yeah i think i'm learning that being a scientist is not as instant as like making a making a, a volcano like when we're kids like it's, it's, it's like being a real scientist takes a lot of time because you're you have to enter data over multiple yeah so um so yeah i think that's that that makes sense for her to be that that patient unless you're isadora Absolutely. and you can make a vaccine in yeah. three episodes three episodes right <laughs> She's the best. She's the best. She's the best. She's the best. <laughs> this is why. She's pretty cool. She is. Uh, so one of the aspects in season three that we're really enjoying seeing are scenes with you and Kat, who play, plays Petra. So what is it like for Isadora to work with Petra as her new boss versus Alder? Well, I think, I think Isadora knows that after Alder is stepping down that like that Petra is the best choice for 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 us I think she knows that Petra is is smart she's capable she she's the the logical choice and I think Isadora and Petra have a healthy relationship you know before she steps into those shoes so I think she's happy to see her colleague step step into that new role um yeah i think i think for isadora her relationship with alder is a bit more um there's a bit more how do you say that like veneration almost for for alder like a lot of respect but i think she's closer to petra um in a more maybe friendship way Though we, she is, you know, we do see that relationship with, with uh, Alder in, in season two, too. So, yeah, I think it's it's new and um, Isadora is adaptable and mm -hmm. um, she knows that, that Petra is is good for, for, the, for, you know, she's the next best option for, for the army. Yeah. And, and in, in the first episode in season three, it starts with them like walking the grounds of a motherland Fort Salem together, uh, of, of Fort Salem together. So I feel like Petra recognizes Isadora's value as a, as a scientist. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of mutual respect there for sure. And it's just like, we're going to work on this. We're going to, we're, we're on the, we're in this together. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's what I feel. Yeah, that definitely comes through because they, they do like a lot of check-ins together, almost like, hey, we're, we're a team in this versus like, you're my subordinate. That definitely comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of Petra, we had the pleasure of speaking to like Kat recently. And she, one of the things she shared with us was like her routine to like become Petra. Like a big thing for her was like putting on her uniform and she's like, that helps me become Petra. So we're kind of wondering, um, what helps you become Isadora? Do you have like a process or anything that kind of helps you get into her character? Yeah. So I think there's like, there's preparation before getting to set for somebody who's quite new to TV. Like I would spend a lot of time like rereading the episodes and like trying to understand like all the different worlds and like analyzing my script and you know I would get accent coachings too to make sure that I sounded as American as I could <laughs> and like I would like do I would practice well you know I'm a little bit intense I recognize that but because I'm new to the medium of camera I would actually just practice at home with my camera and and make decisions so that I was so prepared so that the day I would get on set, it was just like, a, it was just like playtime. It was just like so ready, uh, so ready. I had analyzed everything through so many different lenses, so many different ways that it was just, I was able to just like have fun. And then whatever the director had in mind or whatever the other actors were, were giving to me in that moment, then you can just be, you know? so. So I think there's a lot of preparation that 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 goes into before getting to set for me at this point in my career anyways. And then when I got to set, yeah, it was a celebration, like, you know, getting makeup and hair done by the same artists and then, you know, uh, going to my trailer and the costume is actually um, very important to me too, because it gives you the posture of how the character is going to move and, and what I'm going to be doing with my hands and, and, and stuff like that. So I think everybody's work just like helped me. Everybody's work, it's really a collective, right? Yeah. So everybody's like amazing, like costume design and then the hair and the makeup. And then I would go to my trailer and just like try to relax <laughs> and work on really being present vocally and just doing a lot of breathing exercise. I was, I was also working with uh, somebody who was teaching me a little bit of uh, white crane Kung Fu. Um, so like I would try to do those, those things in my trailer just to, to get connected to my body and my voice. And then, and then it's playtime. Then you go to set and you just, you just play so much fun can't wait to do it again for, for another project but i can't wait to you know have that chance yeah yeah i love that so much it sounds like a very isadora approach yes it really does <laughs> very analytical and... so they cast it, it well mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yes we actually just spoke with tracy so yeah from costume yeah, from costumes yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, they redid my uh, my lab coat for season three, and it was just so beautiful and perfectly tailored. Yes, I actually bought it at the end of this. I was like, I don't, I just probably never going to use this again. Like, like a white lab coat. I mean, I, well, like I'm not going to, you know, walk down the streets um, wearing a white lab coat. But I just couldn't imagine anybody else wearing it. It's <laughs> so a piece of like, your history. That's, I'm like, that's I, it. Yeah, I'm like I'm bringing this this lab coat home. I imagine yeah, I that. Isadora had a lot of education to get to that point where she got to wear that really fabulous lab coat. So yeah. might as well. Exactly. No. As yes. somebody who works in medicine and had to go through white coat ceremonies, it really is like the same. You like work towards, and then when you have it, you're like, yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad you got that. Exactly. We both went through that whole process. So you both work in, in medicine? Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Wow. We should have talked before. You could have mm -hmm. given me that. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Because I'm a scientist again. 
in the podcast, we each have our like little sections because uh, Theora is an infectious disease pharmacist. And oh, I work really? in surgery. Yes. So anytime Isadora was doing like autopsy stuff, I would be like, listen, girl, <laughs> from a surgical perspective. No, I'm just kidding. Tell me what I did wrong. Please. <laughs> well, so in season two, when I had to, to like, what was it? Like, I, I was like, there was a like, body. I was cutting yeah, it. Like, mm -hmm. I, was, I was looking on YouTube because I was like, I need to understand what I'm going to be looking at and doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, you, you don't see open chest surgeries like this on YouTube. No. It's not like legal probably to no. um, upload that kind of content online, obviously for obvious reasons. So I found some stuff that came from anyways, uh, other, other places that I was like, okay, that's interesting. You know, uh, looking at brains and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah, so tell me, did I do my homework? No, okay? rest assured, you you did, you did amazing. Great. The only the only things that I even saw from like surgery stuff were things that no one would know unless they worked yeah. in the field. So okay. it would be like, well, that retractor is actually used for a different thing or something like that. So no, you did wonderfully. The type of, scalpel, wonderfully. Or... The yeah, type of scalpel, the blade on the scalpel, it's yeah. just little stuff. Tiny, tiny uh, stuff. Yeah, and for you to have a vaccine developed in like three episodes, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, "What were you during COVID?" Christmas <laughs> 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 during COVID. Well, art talks about life usually. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Motherland creates for the. Well, I don't know. I, I can't. I shouldn't talk for them, but I'm sure like there are some stuff in Motherland that it is the creators wishing that that totally. would happen in real life you know like yeah <laughs> and science plus magic so we can do this in a month versus a year we got yeah. this yeah 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 <laughs> finally we had the witches work in the real world yeah i know <laughs> oh well okay so what's one important thing you've taken away from your time on motherland or something you've learned playing isadora so much i just don't know how to sum it up i think like again I, I i was really new to the world of tv before so you know i've, I've learned about being on set and like you know um um also yeah i learned how to deal with changes learn how to deal with like in when you do a play you know where the character is going uh often you know you know the the arc that you gonna have to play but when you get cast as a character on tv you don't know what's what's gonna happen so um so that was a, a really nice thing to to learn and to experience also learn how working with amazing artists and collaborator makes amazing art i i know i, I know that sounds like so like i'm talking about roses in the field but like it's so <laughs> sorry no I it's, I think oh, we love it. it. We love it. I, mean, I just like yeah. I I had such a positive experience. Um, everybody was so generous and kind and professional, and people were listening also to other people's needs, like top notch professionals, but top top notch human beings. And I just like. I, like the first season I felt like, oh, like, what do I do? Am I in my place? So I would like be very quiet and like try to do a good job and, 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 and observe and learn from observing. And then as the seasons grew and I got more comfortable and I was like, well, they, they keep writing Isadora in, I might be doing something okay. <laughs> so like I gained a little bit more confidence and then I was a little bit more comfortable being myself and like interacting with other people and yeah just like i'm really taking this big first experience and it it's really close to my heart and like the next projects i'll be working on i want to be um somebody who helps create that really healthy um accepting environment that i was a part of because i felt very accepted for who i was um respected i felt like yeah and and it was challenging as well like in, in in a positive way like so yeah i i just learned a lot about 
the kind of actor I want to be for others moving forward in, into the projects I'll be taking on, you know? Yeah, so that's, that's something that I learned for sure. And uh, yeah, just gaining confidence really is a big one for me. <laughs> yeah. Imagine so. I love that so much. We've talked to like quite a few people that have, you know, cast members from the show and, and crew members. And that really seems to be something really consistent that everybody says was just the, the environment and how like collaborate collaborative it really was, like you're saying. And so it, it's really wonderful to hear that. It seems like that's very a special yeah. part of like this project. And I feel like in those kinds of projects, it has a trickle down effect. So totally. if the executive producers and the leads in a show are examples of being genuine and giving and loving, they're going to make everybody else who is a secondary character or just a day player come in for the day and feel good. So like it really, you know, so I, I just really feel like people were there because they love the craft and they love the story that that we are telling with this show. Um, loving the representation, loving the universe that is created. And so, yeah, and so I, I, I really do believe that. I do believe that even if one day I'm in a position of more power, let's say, like as a producer or a, like a, a lead on a show or something, that I really want to be an example of how important it is to you know, to be a great leader and great, be so kind and just be yourself. And yeah. And just, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> that was my, uh, roses in the field moment. <laughs> Listen, we're also writers. So it's, Are we there? get it. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So this is the part in the podcast where we're going to invite producer Caitlin back who has some questions okay. for you. Sure. So this is my favorite part of the podcast because I like to do a lot of research about who we're going to interview and then dig really deep down and find some stuff. So your resume is very extensive and impressive. What is something you can do, a talent, skill, or random fact that people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, I feel like you're fishing because you want me to say that I twirled fire in the past. Is that it? <laughs> no. That was actually not it. No. I think I vaguely remember that. Oh, yeah. It's not on my resume anymore. I haven't done it for 10 years. I don't want to set any houses on fire. But it is something that I did um, in my 20s when I was backpacking, you know, backpacking in Australia, Thailand, nice. the kind of thing that people would do back then, um, like poise, poise twirling, you know, mm -hmm. and setting them on fire. Um, you know, I, I took Mandarin in, in, um, in, uh, in, uh, university before I went to acting school. So, um, I, you know, a little bit of Mandarin and I'm fluent Spanish speaker and, and French speaker as well. Um, uh, what else, what else do I do? I don't know. A lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> Let me imagine. Caitlin might know more than more about you than you do, I guess. Well, I went to, oh, okay, uh, you want me to say that I went to clown school because I did, but I don't think I'm funny, so I don't want it. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what that meant. I was Googling everything. I was like, okay, I need so, to know more about this. Okay, I'll tell you. I did a, I did a, uh, I did a five-week intensive at Ecole Philippe Gaulier in, in, in Paris, uh, France, uh, in 2010, I think. And I took a Buffon in, intensive and a clown intensive. So, um, yeah, it was kind of clown school. It really was. It was after I graduated from um, Studio 58, which is like a three-year conservatory-type training program. So it was just like a summer intensive uh, focused mm -hmm. on physical theater. Um, and yeah, I mean, I did create a, 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 a show after with a friend and then I, I did play Lucy and Charlie Brown a couple of times. So it, it kind of was, uh, kind of helped me out there, uh, with that yeah. kind of training. But it's so different from, from, I feel like the older I'm getting, the, 
you know, I went from starting with really bigger musical theater, physical theater things. Um, and then like slowly I'm making my way to the world of TV, which is like way more, way more uh, close ups and, uh, mm -hmm. and less and less broad. Uh, but it did it, it is it is useful, I think, to have that kind of in my back pocket. And um, yeah, and, and then when I only when we only had a couple of hours to learn the fight sequence, then that training of being in tune with your physicality kind of comes in handy, you know, so it's just something else to add to your to your toolbox as an actor. Could you imagine Isadora trying to do that workshop? That clown workshop? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe. I think she would be a great like white clown, like just really awkward. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. We could have Isadora the mime. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that what you were fishing for? <laughs> I wasn't fishing for anything. No. I really wanted to, to okay. know as much as possible. But I mean, I did find a lot. <laughs> I was in, I was enjoying my research. Oh, cool. <laughs> so we noticed and you've commented on it a little bit that you've done a lot of theater in the past and are stepping into film. And so do you have a preference between the mediums between the two? Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I think at this point, I'm just interested in like portraying amazing, strong female characters, um, whatever medium it's, it's on. Um, I am, I, can't, I, I don't, I want to say like, I'm not done being challenged by the medium of camera right now. I'm just starting, I'm just starting and I feel like I have so much more to learn and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to expand that. And, and Isadora was, was, um, what a what a gift but like I, i'm kind of curious to see like who else i can be on on screen you know totally. so yeah that's kind of where i'm at at the moment i think like for the next little while that's what i'm going to focus on just auditioning and seeing where, where that takes me um but if a play comes along and it's a character that i feel that i want to portray and and, and the, the right project with the right people obviously i'd say yes yeah I love that. So do you have a favorite production that you've worked on? Um, I've worked a lot with a professional Frank Francophone theater company in Vancouver. I think I did like eight plays, nine plays. Um, and I did a play that's called Unité Modèle. It's a script by uh, Quebec author Guillaume Corbeil. And it talks about gentrification and our relationship to image in relationship to our patterns of consumerism. So it's like super cool play, super smart. It's a two-hander um, and it really, yeah, it's, it's challenging that notion of the humans being seen as, as consumers and, and how, how we, how we are in the world in regards to the stuff we have and, and our relationship to debt as well. Um, and, and what happens when all of that crumbles. So that was a very challenging, smart play to do. And it was again, a two hander, which I did with one of my really dear friend Vincent. So, uh, and I was directed by another friend who's a super smart director, Philippe Cyr, for a company I love. So like, yeah, that was a, the, the, the biggest acting challenge on this, on, on stage. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. That sounds so cool. Yeah. And I was wearing a, a little like dress, a sequence dress. It was really, really fun. <laughs> And you get to yeah. work with your friends too. That that's such a special experience. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Another project I found was you co-created a play titled Patrice Balbina's Chance Encounter with the End of the World. That is a long title, which focuses on an immigration story through the eyes of an eleven-year-old. Um, and this was like 
a collaboration with multiple countries, correct? Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, can you explain the importance of that story, especially with everything happening like in today's yeah. society? Yeah, this, the, the project started a few years ago and it was um, Platform Shift. So it's a company in Germany and they invited um, a company in Italy, one in Portugal, two in Canada and one in Australia to participate. And then they, one artist of each, it was like there was three different um, three different steps for the project. And then the last thing was inviting one artist of each company to meet in Sydney and in 14 days create something. Um, and, and we had done a lot of interviews with people who had gone through having to leave their home behind um, be, because of war or other reasons. So, so we had that, that the, all of these interviews that we had done uh, in the past influencing the work. So we decided to create a play told mostly through movement and a little bit of text. And then there's four languages in the script in, in the, in the, in the play. And we're never naming what country the girl in where, which country she's leaving and which country she's going to. So we really wanted to tell a story that, anybody could connect to and unfortunately um yeah displacement is such a un i don't want to say universal story because not everybody goes through it but i feel like i feel like in different in different countries or different time it, it happens and and right now it's happening obviously and we see it a lot on the news with what's happening in ukraine but um a few years ago when we started that project it was happening a lot a lot of people were crossing the mediterranean sea uh and then and then the the um, companies in 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 italy especially you know they were re receiving a lot of refugees and that influenced a lot our piece as well so unfortunately uh people having to leave their home behind uh is a story that keeps happening on like over and over again yeah so I'm, I'm excited about the fact that this project, which was just supposed to be a one-off in Sydney, uh, was invited back to different um, theater festivals. And we did it in Johannesburg in South Africa. And then uh, we did it in Vancouver. We went back to Australia to do it. And we might do it again next year, but it's not confirmed. I can't, I can't say where, but so it's, it's so great. Yeah, because it's still, it's still relevant. It's definitely a relevant story. Yeah. 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 Fortunately, it'll probably be relevant for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I think the beauty of it is like a lot of it is like tableaus, like told through movement sequences. So um, people can see different things, you know, in, in the imagery of it. So, yeah. I believe I found a trailer of it on YouTube. Yeah, there is a trailer of it on YouTube, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the choice of, of doing it through like a child's lens as, as well. I think it helps people connect yeah. with it too a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but it also did... a child's experience is so different exactly. from Exactly. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Like I I, I had the same, uh, same thought. Um, Caitlin, like when I was, I was like watching the news and, and then the, the producer in Germany was like, well, we might do it again next year. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so relevant today, even though this was created like, you know, so long ago, mm -hmm. it's still relevant. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So with everything you've done in your career, do you have like a proudest moment besides Caitlin's dogs? Ruining this. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. proudest moment. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, motherland is like top of my list of, of like, I'm very proud that, I've been a part of this project, like extremely, like it's be the best thing that has happened in my career, you know? And um, yeah, I, I believe that for sure. 
but then on, on the other hand, like if I, if I was my, my younger self in 2008, graduating from acting school, and I would look at me today, I would think, oh, she, she's, she made it. She, she's okay. But then I'm here today and I'm like, oh, I haven't made it yet. I have so much more to learn, so much more to grow. So I think I really see my acting as a vocation and like I'm so dedicated to craft that I don't think I'll ever be done learning and wanting to do projects that are different and that are challenging to me. So I don't I don't think I'll ever be done because this is the love of my life, you know, like you know, and I have the chance to, um, you know, to live in a time in a country where I, I, I am able to, to pursue it. Not everybody has that luxury in life to be like, oh, I actually, I can, I can go after my dreams. Well, I can. Well, I, you know, and I, I, I'm so lucky and I, I recognize that for sure. Uh, speaking of acting school, you have a lot of formal training uh, with graduating from Studio 58's acting program, and you've got your Bachelor of Arts. Do you think it's necessary for actors to have formal training, and do they usually? I think for theater, they usually always have an acting school under the belt. Um, for TV, it's a bit different, I think, because a lot of it on TV, I feel like, I don't know, you can play characters that are really close to who you are in real life. Uh, so I feel like on TV, younger actors maybe don't always have like a three-year school program and that's okay. Um, but I feel like whomever you are, whatever you decide to do, if you do like a university degree or if you do night classes or if you just pick up a book and like dedicate yourself to your learning, I think if you are a true artist, you are dedicated to your craft and you're gonna come across, uh, a, you're, gonna, you're gonna want to train yourself, you know what I mean? So I don't know, you don't, not everybody has to follow the same way because acting doesn't have one way to do it. So I feel whatever people have to do to get there is, is okay. And if that means, yeah, whatever kind of training it is, it's okay. Yeah. And I think the difference between seeing acting as a, a job and acting as a craft is there, you know, I think the artist who is excited about craft will want to train or expand or take classes with somebody new that challenges them, you know, or just read that Meisner technique book, book you know, or something like that. But um, if you're looking at acting as a job to get, well, then that's, that's different. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you have experience teaching acting workshops to children's and teens. I also have a bit of experience working with children in an acting musical theater capacity. And one of my favorite things was to see how much they grew and just learned so much and they gained there's so much confidence. I was actually one of them who gained confidence from performing. What was your experience like with teaching? Yes, you did a lot of really deep research because I haven't taught for many years, but I did do it at the beginning where I would be invited in the classroom and I would teach, you know, the whole class acting games for, uh, for a little bit. So it was never in a context where students choose it as a, like, um, a class on the weekend or a class at night. Um, I think for some of them, it was so wonderful to try something new, you know, and, and, and because they don't take acting in, 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 in school, like they do with music or phys ed or, or whatever. Uh, I think it was really exciting for some of them to discover it, but, um, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I'm answering the question. Wait a sec. I think I would like to teach again personally, but I would like to do it in a, context where people are choosing to be there and you know they are really curious 
and courageous. And it takes a lot of courage to do anything in front of other people. Um, and, you know, let it, like it could be an acting game, it could be a monologue, whatever. It takes a lot of courage. And I, 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 I would like to work with, with teens or adults that have that courage and that, um, and that curiosity about the craft. Yeah. My dogs want to be let back in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love you. <laughs> I love getting to learn so much about you. Thank you so much. I, I don't usually come into the interview. I mean, I have been recently, but I specifically asked to come in and ask you questions. Oh, that's because... so sweet. That's so sweet. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, um, I was really, I, I'm getting less nervous to do these things. I was before just because of so many things. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate how, how fun of a conversation this is. Yeah. Yeah, that thank you. To us. Thank it you. means a lot to us because it does. We've been such big fans of of your work in Motherland. So, like, it wasn't. <clears throat> it just was one of those roles that really captured us, and and that's why, obviously, it grew bigger over the seasons. So, she's just such a such a character that you want to grab onto and and know more about so i'm glad we got the time with her that we have but sad that we won't get you know after season three yeah yeah i i i'm i'm also very sad that this is coming to an end i think many people are um and then at the same time i, I recognize that we are so lucky to have been able to create this world with you know, the capacity that the, the network and, and that, that we've had, because like, I really, I'm very proud of the show. The production value is beautiful. The story is gorgeous. The acting is like fantastic. Like I'm watching it. And I'm like, wow, they're so good because a lot of, a lot of the, 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 uh, of my felt of cat of the cast, I haven't had the chance to do any scenes with, right. I, I would meet them mm -hmm. at, at table reads and stuff like that over zoom but that's it and then i'm watching their work and i'm like so in awe about everybody's work so i i'm i'm very sad also but i'm also um i just i'm so grateful we had that chance to to create that that world at that level and and with those people in in that in this time frame that they the network gave to create yeah it's something I, I say a lot about Motherland, how it was a, a little bit of a perfect storm, just the right people at the right time in the right way. Um, none of us would have met if it wasn't for Motherland. And I know a lot of other people in the community have that too. So it wasn't, it's just such a family. Now. Yeah. And it's, so. this is really heartwarming for, for, for me, I'm, I'm sure for other people as well to see the fandom has become a family also to each other, you know, and, and the, the connections that the, the, the fandom has created is just like, it's just so beautiful to see. And that's the power of art is like to bring mm -hmm. people together, right. And bring people together. And that's something I would never have imagined coming from the world of theater where you meet your audience after the play because they clap you because you, you, you chat, but like this whole, online platform has given the chance the opportunity for all these people to meet all over the world people who like come from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds and that's that's super inspiring like you know i mean what a gift i think the best gift that to come out of motherland is the <laughs> like well i mean the 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 show is beautiful but like the the community of the fandom is really heartwarming. Yeah. And thank you for putting your heart and soul yes. into creating Isadora and like being a part of this. Like everybody, it's very clear watching this that everybody that worked on it really did put everything into it. And it's just, it shows. So like, thank you for doing that. We're glad you got something out of it, but like, thank you for being a part of it. Yay, thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. 
If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. Please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes. And please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus. <laughs>